my heart, and um, I'm, I'm assuming now I had something this morning, and, and uh, I kind of had a game plan already for today, and, but, uh, you know, God's the one that, um, I mean, it's, it's His service, so I've just learned that if, you know, if He has a different idea, that's just fine with me. I said, that's just fine with me, and um, uh, had kind of a game plan laid out. It's still in the same line, the same thing, but the Spirit of God this morning kind of flipped that upside down on me, which is just great, because uh, I can see what he's doing. It's just awesome. So uh, Colossians 3.1 says this, if then you were raised with Christ. Anybody in here know Jesus? Okay, let's try that one more time. Let's just see if we got a little bit more enthusiasm with that. Is there anybody in here who knows Jesus? All right, now this is talking about you then. So if you then were raised with Christ, and of course you were, you know, the word says we've been crucified with him, but we've also been resurrected with him, praise God, amen. So then if you were raised with Christ, seek those things, go after, move toward, uh, initiate, uh, you know, seek mode, amen, toward those things which are above. And he, he defines it where Christ is, seating right now at the right hand of God, amen, where Christ is, all right? Everybody say higher things. Amen. you got to set your mind on higher things. you got to seek those things which are above. Verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Now, how many know that's, that's our part right there? What we, where we set our mind, the word literally means to aim one's attention. And according to, uh, you know, we've uh, the last few weeks kind of been diving into dissecting this a little bit off and on here and there. And so the word talks about the law of the mind. And really all it means is this, the law of the mind breaks down to this, that attention equals direction. What you give your attention to determines a direction. What you give your attention to determines what road you're going to go down. What you give your attention to determines decisions, determines actions, determines words. And your words, your actions, your decisions affect your life. Sometimes they can affect for a lot of years. Come on, somebody. So what he's trying to bring out, in fact, he, uh, I didn't give, tell him to bring verse 3, but it brings out that the life that you want in God is in Christ. It's in, it's in Him. So that's why you set your mind on things above. Romans 8 tells us that, you know, where you set your mind, wherever you, whatever you think about, if you're going to think about natural things, then guess what? That's where you end up. If you're going to think about spirit things, that's where you end up. Amen. Proverbs 23 tells us this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so he exists, or so he becomes, is what it means. Amen. Based on what you're going to set your mind on. Amen. The Word says he will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Praise God. Amen. Why? Because you trust him. If you trust God, keep your mind stayed on him. Now, Back to verse 2 again, if you put that back up there again. Do you think God knows that you have things on earth to handle? Do you think God knows that there are things that you have to deal with on earth? Do you think God knows that you might even have an issue or two to work through on earth? Does anybody in here believe that God probably knows what's going on here on planet earth? Well, you just sometimes you just got to kind of have a little check, you know. You got to realize he knows what's going on. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what's happening. He knows the situation at home or the situation at work or the situation you deal with with your health or with your, with your finance or with your mind or your, you know, your worry or fear or stress, whatever it is. God knows what's happening with the kids. God knows what's happening in the marriage. God knows what's happening with that family member. God knows what's going on. Come on. God knows what's going on. He's not ignorant to it. You know, God ain't so big that he says, you know what, I don't really care about any of that stuff. Come on. He cares about every little part. The word says if you cast your cares on him, why? Because he cares for you. Praise God. But see, setting your mind is your decision, not his. Amen. So the law of the mind is this. Attention equals direction. If you want to think on that thing that makes you mad all the time, then you get going down Grumble Alley, come on somebody, and that's where you hang out. Come on. If you want to think about that thing that depresses you all the time, 
then guess what? Okay, woes me street is where you hang out. Are you still with me? And that's where you go. And it's very clear that the end of those roads is death, ruin, and destruction. Not life and peace. But if you will set your mind on things above, the word says you get on life roads. You get on peace road. Amen. And even though all these things are happening as you're going down that street, all these things that go on in life, God keeps you steady. Amen. And God will keep you on top. Praise God. If you just trust him by leaving your mind state on him. Amen. So what we've been doing is every week for the last few weeks anyway, I've been talking about you know, setting our mind on higher things and what that means. Well, in, in all honesty, there ain't really anything higher than God's Word. And last week, we really kind of started diving into that, and we're going to do that again this week. And so if you will put, uh, put let's go uh, Mark 4 and verse, I believe it's verse 23. Thank you very much. So that's, that's where we're going to start. We're going to read, I think, the way it seems right now, we're going to read more of Mark 4, but I want to start here. Uh, Mark 4 is really, in a lot of ways, is really bringing out some principles concerning the Word of God. And so he starts to begin to sum some things up here in verse 23. He says, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. I want to know, is there anybody in here who has an ear to hear? I didn't say an ear that can hear. I want to know, is there anybody in here that has an ear to hear? Amen. Now, that's your choice. Amen. He says, then let him hear. All right. Verse, uh, verse 24. Let me get turned to it a little bit. It would be nicer if I got it right in front of me here. Mark 4 and 24 now. All right. All right. Mark 4 and 24. Then he said to them, of course, this is Jesus talking. We're going to kind of see this here in a minute because he just got done talking about a parable. And then he defined what the parable meant. And now he's kind of summing some things up. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, everybody say who hear, who hear more will be given. For whoever has, and what he's talking about is has ears to hear, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have ears to hear, even what he has, he'll lose or it will be taken from him. All right? And in context, dealing with, he hasn't changed the subject of what he's been talking about this whole chapter. Bottom line is, okay, the enemy's coming to steal the word that's been sown. He will devour it, scorch it, choke it out, do anything he can to keep that word from landing and producing in your life. What determines really a heart that's going to receive it comes down to really a simple thing in this text. Do you have an ear to hear? Do you have an ear to hear? Well, what determines whether you're going to have an ear to hear comes out of verse 24. Verse 24, he said to them, take heed what you hear. Now this word, uh, what you hear, in fact, depending on your translation, but, but really it le literally means what manner you hear. If you look it up, it just take heed to what manner you hear. In other words, what you're going to hear, who you're going to listen to, how you're going to hear it, it all, it all, you know, what manner. Are you hearing it? Now, we, we touched on that a little bit last week uh, when we brought out Psalms 1. And, you know, you got to guard where you, you know, you got to guard who you're listening to. You got to guard uh, what voice you're going to listen to. You got to guard where you stand. You got to guard where you, uh, you know, where you uh, sit. You got to guard, uh, you know, where you're going. You got to, everything, you know, you got you to take heed who you're listening to, what you're hearing, and how you're hearing it. That's your decision, all right? So take heed what you hear, all right? He says, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. With the same measure, okay? Let's define these words, and it kind of makes sense. The word measure 
metron. Okay, where we get our word, uh, you know, meter or to, to you know to measure out something. Uh, it means to a degree, to the degree or portion or gauge. Okay, with the same uh, measure, with the same uh, degree, uh, with the same uh, portion or gauge. You now we say a gauge. I could, you know, when you we we see the word gauge, we could think of uh, uh, you know size level, yardstick. Uh, caliber, standard, it kind of, it, you can kind of, all kinds of synonyms that can kind of meet that. But he's talking to the degree or measure that you use it, it's going to determine the degree or measure it comes back to you or you receive it. Still with me? To use, okay? Uh, the Greek word here uh, means to estimate, okay? Synonyms for this word estimate. Uh, uh, how you evaluate it, deem it, uh, gauge it, appraise it, consider it, appreciate it, or value it, all right? And it leans toward the value part, all right? To estimate how you estimate it or value it. See, to the degree that you value something is the degree that you will receive it. So in context, what are we talking about valuing? The word. Because he's saying, if you have an ear to hear the word, amen, then guess what? You're going to receive more. But if you don't have an ear to hear it, even the things that you have, you begin to lose already. It gets stolen. It gets choked out. All these other things begin to happen. So what determines whether you have an ear to hear is how much you value it. Will you value it? How much do you appraise it? How much value do you put on the Word of God? You know, sometimes as Christians, we, you know, we, we love God, and you know, we, you know, somebody says, "Do you love the Lord?" And, and you know, there ain't Christians going to go, "No." You know, we all say, "Of course, yes," and and we might say, "Do you love the Word of God?" Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, but uh, you know, how you value it, appraise it. Okay, to the degree that you value it is going to determine how much is going to be added to you concerning this. How much of that word are you going to grab? How much of that word is going to start working in your life? Is going to be to the degree that you appraise it or value it. You know, when I grew up, um, I'm not picking on Grammy, but um, uh, you know, Grammy had this big family Bible that sat on the on the coffee table in the living room. And uh, it was a big old monster Bible, you know. Had all the pictures. I didn't even know anybody was there taking pictures of Jesus. It was amazing. And uh, but uh, anyway, somebody I guess got all these shots of Jesus and and uh, all this. But anyway, so there's a, just picture. It's a picture Bible kind of thing. It's just massive family Bible. It had all these pictures of you know paintings, probably from Da Vinci or whoever else painted them or whatever it was. And just so they're just. All these pictures of, uh, you know, of the disciples and Jesus, uh, you know, rebuking the wind and, and you know, uh, pictures at the, you know, at the, uh, you know, while they're partaking of, of the Last Supper and pictures of him ministering to somebody and, and them being healed and delivered and, and all this kind of great stuff. And, and so uh, when I got to Grammys, uh, you know, I wanted to open up, I wanted to open up uh, that book and, and look at those pictures. I thought, Man, Jesus is so cool, you know. I mean, this is this is just cool, these pictures, you know. And Grammy would walk in and go, shut that book. <laughs> yeah, usually when I opened up, the little uh, a, a flattened rose fell out. Uh, the first dollar they made fell out. <laughs> you know, yeah, it became a scrapbook. Now, that was the Bible. And, uh, you know, they, they valued that book that was on the coffee table, that we don't want no hands on it because we don't, need, we don't need that book falling apart on us. But the word was not being valued. Are you still with me? The Bible, some people say, you know, I always have that Bible on my bedstand every night. I've had people say, you know, at night when I don't know what to do, I just grab my Bible and leave it lay on my chest. Because I'm not trying to pick. I'm just saying, okay, you value your Bible. That's wonderful. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. 
I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. He's not talking about whether you value your Bible. What comes down to it, do you value the word that's within that Bible? Are you still with me? Again, we're not picking on anybody, but sometimes our perspective gets off a little bit. All right? To the degree that you will value that word is the degree that you're going to benefit from that word. All right? Part of what we brought out um, over the last couple weeks is, uh, you know, it isn't just about, you know, making us, you know, setting your mind on things above so it makes you uh, like Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a benefit. That's the way it should be. But it isn't just to make you like Jesus. It's also to get Christ-like results. The reason many times that the body of Christ does not receive or walk in the results that Jesus received or walked in is because we don't value that word enough. Are you still with me? Because if you don't value it enough, the enemy will always steal it. And then it does you no good. Still with me? Okay, so with that said, let's go, let's go back to verse 1. Let's do that. Verse 1. Are you glad you came today? Amen. Now, you know, last week we, we brought out several verses. We, we kind of hung out a little bit more in the Old Covenant last week. You know, we were in Isaiah 55 and talking about, you know, a higher way of thinking. And, and, you know, if you want a higher way of thinking, the whole thing in context is talking about then you're going to have to hook up to a higher way. I mean, if you want a higher way of living, you're going to have to hook up to a higher way of thinking, and that is his word. And just like that, just like precipitation comes down and forces the earth into production, he says, so shall my word be. It, it begins to do something. Are you still with me? It begins to produce something. It begins to force the ground into production. Amen? That's why he told Joshua, you know, if you will meditate on my word, get that word coming out, start walking that, it'll start making your way prosperous, and you will have good success. But the key is, how much do you value what I say? Psalms 1 again, if you kind of went a few verses down and starts talking about that if you, if you begin to value that and meditate that word and take value in that word, pretty soon you become literally like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Amen. Just the rivers of water. Amen. Just planted right by there and you begin to produce a harvest in its season. Praise God. Hallelujah. It bears the fruit it should and even the leaves, hallelujah, begin. They, they will not even wither. Praise God. And in context dealing with it brings health and wholeness and fruit and benefit. Amen. And it goes on to say and everything, whatever you do, will prosper. That's a pretty big promise. But he says it's contingent on the very thing we're talking about. How much do you value the things he says? All right. Verse 1 of Mark 4. You there? Of course, you've been there a long time, probably longer than I have. Amen. Verse 1. And again, he began to, to teach by the sea. Okay, so now he's alongside the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him. That happens once in a while for him. Come on, he has things to say, and there, here comes a whole bunch of people wanting to know what he's going to say. So a great multitude gathered to him so that he got, look at this, he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. So they, you know, got in the, you know, got in the dinghy. Come on, somebody. Pushed him out a little ways. Come on now. I don't know. Maybe was it, was it anchored or somebody standing out there holding it? I don't know. But all I know is he got out there so that basically everybody could kind of come up to the edge of the shore and, and maybe, maybe it, it made it easier for everybody to hear. Uh, chances are probably kind of how it worked. And so anyway, he's, he's talking to a great multitude, all right? And so anyway, he's on a boat. And, and, and it said here, uh, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things, here we go, by parables. 
and said to them in his teaching, okay, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen up, okay, got something to say, amen, listen, behold, in other words, literally, behold means to take a look at this, okay, so what he's trying to do now, he's working towards saying something to try to grab hold of their imagination, are you still with me? I want you to see this. I want you not only to hear it, I want you to see it. Behold, all right? Behold, a sower, uh, uh, a sower went out to sow. In other words, somebody that's you know, going to plant a field, he's in a sower, somebody just taking, puts his hand in the bag, takes out the seed, and he broadcasts it. He says again, broadcast it. I want you to see this, he says, all right? And it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, kind of like, like hard pan, you know, kind of thing. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. I just want you to know, all right, that the birds of the air are circling right now. Now, they weren't invited in here, but they're, they're circling. They're just waiting for you to walk out. Are you still with me? Because they're they're looking for something, and uh, they want to know, you know, if you know, did I did did Pastor Jerry sow some seed on hard pan? So the birds of the air came and they devoured it. Are you still with me? Some seed, anyway, fell on stony ground where it didn't have uh, much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Now we got, you know, I got, I think I've used uh, as an illustration, you know, I got, uh, you know, we have a garden this year. Went a few years without a garden and we, we had to kind of do something different. We, we tried with some, uh, in a few years with like elevated boxes and tried that and that just didn't work for us. And uh, so we had to kind of move things around, do some different things and enclose your, out, out where we're at, if you don't enclose your garden, you're losing it. And so, anyway, you know, you got these, uh, uh, you know, you got deer and you got uh, rabbits and you got uh, fowl of the air and, and whatever else, okay, and a dog that likes to dig. Um, anyway, um, so anyway, you got, uh, you got all these other things to contend with, so we had to fence it in. And, and uh, anyway, um, uh, we're, you know, you know, planted a garden. We got some dirt put in there and, uh, you know, good dirt and, and they got it spread. Somebody came out and they spread the ground for us, all that. And then they, uh, you know, we got it all closed in and, and everything and started planting a garden right away. And, and so uh, our garden this year did extremely well. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. And uh, we, uh, we uh, you, know, uh, you know, you had your, you know, your hard ground that was kind of there. We kind of worked it up a little bit and then put the, the new dirt on top. And, of course, uh, year to year, we'll probably, you know, it all get kind of tilled in a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But this year, it was, it was kind of, for the most part, the, uh, the soft soil on top that was the new stuff and uh, the top soil. And, and uh, so, you know, our carrots, I mean, they just, whoo, they just like, whoo, those carrots look good. Wow. Man. I mean, everything on top, and you see that big old thing on the top, and that, wow, that's going to be a good old carrot. We started plucking a few carrots, and they're about this tall. <laughs> they're about this wide, but they're this tall. And they're just a few inches tall because, because uh, it got down to a little bit harder stuff and said, eh, ain't going through that. Come on, somebody. Uh, because of no depth of earth, come on, somebody. <laughs> okay, moving right along. So I have stubby carrots. Now, this message isn't about stubby carrots. But it could be about a stubby life. Come on, somebody. All right. Looks good maybe on the surface. Get a little deeper and go, not so good. Come on now. Okay. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. See, it still comes down to how much do you value? To what degree do you value the word? Are you willing to, to, to work that, to keep hearing that? Because what happens is if you, don't, if you don't spend a little time with it, you get no root. Now, of course, it depends what part of the country you're from. You got root and root. 
okay? Uh, you know, so, you know, I kind of say root, okay? So maybe most people go root or root, whatever. But I think we get the point. The point is, amen, it had no root or root in it, amen, and it withered, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you got some root. All right. <laughs> okay, next. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And it choked it, and it yielded no crop. That's why, you know, if you grow in a garden, you got to kind of make sure you keep the weeds down because it'll, them little boogers will grow up, and they try to choke out everything and kill everything else that's good. Come on, in this case, it was, you know, thorny, you know, thistles and thorns and that kind of stuff. But yet, there is other seed that fell on good ground. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're good ground. Hallelujah. Fell on good ground. And it said it yielded a crop that sprang up. And listen, it increased and produced. But then it said some 30-fold some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. That's the implication. Okay? Now, how many know that that also is dependent on you? Not only can you have good crop, amen, not only can you have a good produce, come on, not only can you have a good return, but how much return is going to be dependent on how much you value it. Verse then 9, and he said to them, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. How much do you value this? Is this important to you? All right. You still with me? All right. Verse 10 then. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. I mean, I, I mean, okay, it makes sense, but explain it to us. And he said to them, verse 11. To you it has been given to know the mystery. Word here, mystery, means secret things or hidden things, hidden truths, okay? To you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now look at your neighbor and say, I hope that's you. To you it has been given to know the mysteries the hidden things. God's, God's, listen, God's not just trying to get you to, to hear the word just by itself. I mean, God says there's things in it because it produces things. When the word is activated, it begins to force the ground into production. Things begin to happen. Things begin to shift and turn and things begin to manifest. Things begin to increase and produce and multiply. Amen. To you it has been given. Now you can be this person, the to you, or you could be of the but to those. I'd rather be the to you than the to those. The, come on, just work with me here. Okay, I know it's not proper English, but you get it. I'd rather be the to you, come on, than the to those. Now the word here, to those who are outside, you know, sometimes when you speed read that, you think that's talking about, you know, people that don't know God. The word outside here <clears throat> means without. That's all it means. To those who are without. Well, what do you mean without? Don't lose sight of what we're talking about. Without what? An ear to hear. Remember, he sums it up again uh, in verse 23, 24, and 25. All right, so to those, amen, what makes the difference about the to you or the to those is whether or not they have an ear to hear or they don't have an ear to hear, which then comes down to whether you value the word or you won't value the word. Because if you don't value the word, amen, you won't hear. So then if you don't hear, what happens? You walk outside, the birds are flying over, they're waiting, swoosh. Whoop and grab that seed and grab that seed and grab that seed. And then nothing changes in your life. Nothing begins to happen like you want. And really, you feel like all you did was waste a few, a couple hours at church. 
but you feel good because your conscience is, you know, you feel good that you went to church. Come on. And I want you to feel good that you came to church. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want you leaving going, ugh. I mean, I'd rather you leave going, whew, I'm glad I at least went. Hallelujah. But I want you to leave, amen, with something producing. I don't want what is sown to be plucked up by the enemy. Come on, when you walk out or to be scorched just because of some pressures here and there or to be, come on, choked out by all these other things that try to, you know, try to do that in our life every day. Still with me? I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself because that's what he kind of, how he defines all this. But he says, to you it has been given to know the secret things, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are without, they don't have an ear. What Those are outside. All things are gonna, just going to seem like parables. That was a nice story. Pastor, that was a nice story. <laughs> yeah, that's Dubby Carrot. Yeah, that was a nice story, Pastor. I enjoyed that story. Well, I, I wasn't just trying to give you a story. Amen. Come on. I want you to grab something. I want, you to, I want this thing to change your life. Come on, right? Amen. I'm glad you like my stories. The inmates always tell me they love my stories. But I always want to know, do you love the word, though? Amen. Amen, because that's what matters. Amen. All the stories, hopefully, are just going to complement the word. That's what Jesus, that's why the parables, the purpose of the parables is to somehow attach, amen, that, that word, the importance of that word, somehow reach the mind, somehow reach the imagination so that you can begin to set your mind on it meditate on it so then it begins to force areas of your life into production amen and if it does praise God you begin to bear fruit some 30 some 60 some hundredfold hallelujah you begin to bear the fruit and it's not being choked out by stuff it's not being scorched it's not being stolen by some foul of the air praise God so the kingdom of God but to those who are outside all things just a, just a nice story. Just a nice nice thing you said there, preacher. So that, verse 12. Here we go. This is a quote out of Isaiah. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn or, or convert. Okay, that word lest there means whether or not they should turn uh, and their sins be forgiven. Somebody says, well, does that mean then that they can't be changed? All he's saying is this. If you don't have an ear to hear, you might have eyes that can see things, but you're not seeing what God's showing you. And you might have an ear that can hear things, but you're not hearing one thing he's trying to tell you. And as a result of it, it changes nothing in your life. That's all he's saying there. Then now it's not changing anything. Because you didn't value it enough. He's not saying that some people are going to be left out. They can't be forgiven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the only way that this is ever going to change you is if you value it. I value that word. I don't want it being stolen. I don't want it being choked out. I don't want it being scorched. I want it producing. And I like hundredfold, thank you very much. Thirtyfold's better than no fold. 60-fold is better than 30-fold, hallelujah. But 100-fold, hey, that's what I want. So if I can get as much produce out as I can and enough of the little stubby carrots, hallelujah, we actually get squashed this year. Woo! Well, everybody gets zucchini. How do you think how that stuff will grow? We actually get some butternut, no, not is uh, acorn squash. <laughs> Our garden just like woo says, "All right, we're going to give you acorn squash, hundredfold." <laughs> is it gross? No, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, what do you want? All right, here we go. So remember, he's defining it. So he said to them, "Do you not understand this parable?" Look at this. He said that, well, how then will you understand all the parables? I mean, this is the granddaddy. He said, if you can't even get a hold of this, you don't, you don't get a hold of this one. He said, the rest of it ain't going to make no sense to you at all. Because it's going to come down to whether or not you value the word or not. Because if you don't value it, it's just going to be a bunch of nice little stories to you. Because he said a lot of parables. 
So if, if you don't get a hold of this, then the rest of them are going to be hard. Still with me? Verse 14, now he begins to define it. The sower sows the word. Amen. Luke 8's account of this very parable, he said, The seed is the word of God. Amen. The Ma Matthew's account of this very parable says that, he calls it the word of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, these are the ones, verse 15, these are the ones by the wayside, okay, the, that fell on hard ground there, where the word is sown. When they hear, oh, they heard something, they heard something. But what happens is, okay, they didn't value it enough. Come on. So in other words, you had an ear that heard sound waves. Still with me? All right. But he says, I need more than just ears that, you know, that heard a nice sermon. I need somebody that values it enough that they have an ear to hear. All right. So, something is said. Everybody heard. Heard something being said. All right. And it says, Satan comes. So, now he compares Satan with these fowl of the air. If you don't like birds, you might say, see, right there. He even calls them Satan. Praise the Lord. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, I understand there's a lot more to all this, but we've got to first catch hold of, do you value it? Because how you value it is going to determine how much of it starts working in your life. Do you have an ear to hear? Is it landing in good ground or is it landing on hard pan? Still with me? All right. Hallelujah. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. They, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. All right. Remember, to those that have an ear to hear, come on, increase comes. Those that do not, even what they have, will what? Be taken away. So what are you talking about? Well, they might have had something, but it was taken away. Still with me? All right. So this was plucked away, didn't do anything. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Now he, can, he explains what that means. Who, when they hear the word, immediately, at first, like, woo, what a word, great word, preacher, I get some movement, but anyway, they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, so still not really valuing it like they should, amen, sometimes, you know, we get all excited about what's said, that's wonderful, we want you to be, we'd rather you be glad than sad, or mad, come on, any day. But we want you to receive it. But it said they had no root in themselves. So in other words, they, they, didn't, they didn't work at any. They didn't, they didn't go back and meditate on it anymore. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't hear it again. How many know you, it ain't just, you know, you know, just hear it once and, woo, we got it. How many know you got to have to hear it some more? You're going to have to, as the Scripture says, you're going to have to meditate on it. You're going to have to hold that up and begin to revolve that around before your mind's eyes, what it means to meditate. To look at it from all angles and to, to chew on that. And that's why Jesus did the parables, because he was hoping to give them a picture. And if I can give you a picture of what's going on, it helps you understand the importance of guarding that word, of protecting that word or that seed. Still with me? All right. So they have no root in themselves. And so the word says that they endure only for a time. So then what determines then whether it gets scorched, what was it earlier? It would have been, I think, uh, verse 6, is it? It says that when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it then withered. Okay, so you get a picture of that. So you have no root in yourself. You don't work this thing. So all it takes is something to happen that begins to scorch it. Still with me? 
Okay, so back down here now to verse 16 again. Okay, they receive it with gladness. Oh, verse 17, I guess, I'm sorry. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Well, afterward, when, here we go, tribulation, it just means, it just means pressure. Okay, persecution just means pressure from people. Tribulation means pressure from, from troubles or, or issues. Persecution is trouble or pressure from people. So in other words, you got people problems, and you got other problems. Come on. All, all of them are just, all it is is some form of pressure is all it is. Well, I thought when I gave my heart to Jesus, all them pressures would go away. No, they're still out there because we still have an enemy. Come on, somebody. But the enemy's trying to take the seed. He wants the seed. If he can somehow get the seed or he somehow get it when it's just a young plant or so it doesn't really produce, then he doesn't have to hardly do anything in your life. Somebody said, what? Listen, most of the problems that we have are our own decisions and choices, our own words, our own actions, our own ignorance, the scripture even says. And the enemy counts on it because you just go and do what we've always done, even before we knew Christ or what everybody else out there does. And we don't even have, really, to be honest, we create our own problems and issues most of the time. I'm not saying there ain't other things out there, but I'm just saying that the enemy wants to steal the word so the word don't produce because once the word starts producing, you start overcoming. You start conquering. You start prevailing. You start winning. You start succeeding. Why? Because that seed, that word is forcing the ground into production. And all of a sudden, you start seeing life different and viewing it different and, and, and seeing things even about yourself. And you start making adjustments and changes and your stand and your confidence and your assurance. Everything just starts shifting and changing. Why? Because the Word begins to force the ground into production. parable here refers to the word as a seed. And every seed produces after its own kind. Now, Isaiah 55, um, Ephesians 5, I believe it is, yes, calls the, the continuation of the word as precipitation. As water. So it first becomes a seed, but you keep working with it, pretty soon it starts watering. So that's what begins then to force it into production. Does that make sense? Now I said that for this reason, okay? Every seed produces after its own kind. Everything produces after its own kind. What you have here, in fact, Trudy kind of touched on it in one of her earlier today. Um, what you have here is a language of potential. That's what the word is, which means the to be possible. So everything in these pages is it's living and powerful. In this page, in these pages, is a language of potential. All things are possible. Okay. Now everything else around you. Many of you heard me talk this before, but everything else. Every, there's a, there's a language out there in the world. The world has a language, and I ain't talking French or Spanish or English. Okay, it has its own language, and it's a language of limits. Everything out there is about limits. Only this far, no more. Or one says, I take, but you can't, or whatever. It's always about limits. Okay, Everything you see out there, how it functions, how it does, it tries to bring limits. Walls of containment. This takes you out of all of that. So if you will let this land in your heart and produce, you've now tapped the realm of potential, which means now it starts moving you toward who you can be. Scriptures are pretty clear that 
This is referred to as a mirror. And so if you will look into this mirror, amen, not the one in the bathroom. The one in the bathroom will limit you. I mean, all you got to do is look in that just one time and you're depressed. I mean, that's what it wants to do. It wants you to be moved by what you see in the natural. But this is a different one. You look into this and it says it begins this thing called transformation power. It begins to happen, and it's a work of the Spirit. You go from glory unto glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's a work of the Spirit that happens, and it is a process, but it says the more that you look into this, the more you find out who you are and what you can do and what you can have. So that's why, you know, the enemy wants to steal that word because the more you even look at it, the more you hear it. The word even says that when you keep hearing this, faith comes. Did you hear that? I heard that. Did you hear that? I heard that. What do you think of that? I'll tell you what, all things are possible. That's what I'll tell you. Huh? Confidence, reliance, dependence, assurance. Hey, trust. Why? Because you keep hearing it, faith comes. The enemy goes, I don't want him to hear that. I don't want that to take root. Because about the time they get a hold of this thing, I'm in trouble. All of a sudden, they take control of their life now. All of a sudden, they're leaning on God for help now. All of a sudden, their, their, their source is now God and not, not natural things. So, this produces after its own kind. So, the more that you hear this, and again, back to what determines whether you have an ear to hear is whether you value it. You don't value it. File the air or swoop in and take it. All it takes is one person to say something you didn't like. Come on, persecution. That's all it is. Persecution just means people troubles, people problems, people pressures. Come on. The whole time the word of God says, you know, trust me. It says, cast your care on me. Do not worry. Do not fear. Come on. First people problem or the first sign of trouble, financial problem. Come on. Health problem. Ha! W carrots. <laughs> Amen. I'm serious. I'm serious. Because this is what he said. He said, listen, if you if you value it, you have an ear to hear it. If you have an ear to hear it, then then the enemy can't come in and take. The word even says he comes for the word's sake. He didn't come because he don't like you, which he don't. Come on, the enemy don't like you. You know, the enemy trying to get you to hell so because he wants to hang with you. You're just a cool guy. I want you with me, man. I mean, that ain't how it works. He could care less about you, but he has some concern about that word. Because that word brings change. That word transforms. That word brings confidence. That word brings assurance. That word changes lives. That word produces harvest. That word produces freedom. Ah? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And that truth you know shall set you free. Well, you ain't going to have that unless you abide in the word. So he says, man, I can't get you to continue in that word. i got to shut you down somehow because when you do, you're going to be free. And when you get free, you're probably going to go out and tell somebody else and they're going to get free. That's how it works. So if I cut, you, cut the word out, if I somehow scorch it, kill it, or what's the next one? Somehow choke it out. What's the next ones here? Still with me? What verse are we on now? 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. You know, I, I always think about when you start, every one of them, you notice it says that they heard it, which means they, you know, they were there, they heard it. You know, someday, someday you're probably going to, you know, I, I don't know how it's all going to go down. We all have our opinions. Um, you know, but one day, you know, we know that somehow we're going to stand before the master. 
and we'll give account of some things. The Lord even says you give account of, of, of your word. <laughs> Crop failure. Come on. On some of them words. Come on. Anyway, the point is, amen, the point is, and somehow we, we stand, we give account of. Now, the, the reason that, that he mentions these things, because you ain't never going to be able to say, well, nobody told me. He's going to say, uh, let's go, what's the date today? September 9th, 2018. All of a sudden, on a big video screen, he's going to come up. And there's Pastor Jerry. <laughs> with a date. September 9th, 2018. You're going to be staring at Pastor Jerry one more time. I don't know how it's going to go down, but I really think it's going to be something like this. (laughs) He pushes play. How much do you value the word? Pause. That's all it's going to take, and all this is going to run back to your memory. <gasps> That's right. Pastor Jerry had warned us about this, told us about this. So you can't say you didn't have an opportunity to take what you heard and do something with it. Still with me? All right, anyway, enough of that. All right, so anyway, so they hear the word, and what happens here? Verse 19, all of a sudden the cares, one one translation says that the distractions of the age, meant that literally means worries and mental sufferings, things that are out there that try to pull at you all the time. Deceitfulness of riches. I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with riches, but there is some deceitfulness of that mess. Come on, somebody. God wants you, wants you, wants you to have, wants you to, but boy, pretty soon if you don't watch it, I'm too busy. For God, I'm too busy for the Word. I, I got things to do and things to pay for and things to this and things to that. Come on, somebody. And it becomes another distraction. Ever say deceitfulness. But that's what it does. It gets in there and pretty soon it deceives you. And the desire for other things. You think God's down on things? Come on, the Word says this, right? Jesus said, you know, in, in, in uh, Matthew 6, He says, You know, seek first the kingdom of God, right? And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? All the things it says that the Gentiles are seeking after. He said, those will be added to you. He ain't against things. But he says, pretty soon, you get more caught up in things. Listen. And the enemy is really good at it because he says, if I can just choke out. And even if it began to produce, which according to this, it says it did, right? It said, all these things then entering in, choke the word. Do you you know why it says entering in? Why is it why is it wait till this part to say that? Because you were doing something with the word and the word started producing. And every time the word starts producing, it forces things into production. All of a sudden things start shifting and changing. Things start happening. Things start manifesting. Things start coming to pass. And if you don't sti- if you somehow or another lose value of that word, all those things that even God brought into your life means all of a sudden you got you have more concern about all that stuff than you do about that word and you forget that it was the word in the first place that caused all this stuff to happen and manifest so then it becomes see it enters in then starts choking the word and it becomes unfruitful which means it was but now it's becoming unfruitful. Still with me? Why is all that? Because the word starts producing something. 
But if you still don't have it settled that this word is, this is what I value. Take everything else and keep, I get my Bible. Because if this word can get anything else back, this word can change anything. Come on, somebody. This word, come on, can cause anything to shift and change. The word says everything in the natural realm is subject to change. It's all temporary. But this here, amen, is permanent. It's temp- I mean, it's, it's permanent. It's rock solid. Come on, somebody. And it'll produce change in anything I've pointed at. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a big amen? Come on, give the Lord a praise. All right, so let's get down here. Verse 20 now. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and, uh-oh, accept it and bear fruit. Come on, somebody. Some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold, praise God. One of the translations says they, they, bear, it said they keep it and bear fruit with patience. That's what Luke, I think it's Luke 8, I think it is, that brings out this parable. With patience, which means consistency. So, in other words, they do it, they hear it, amen, and they stay consistent with it, and as a result, it starts producing some 30, some 60, some 100-fold, praise God. Amen. Anybody else with me on that? All right. Uh, verse 21, and he, said to, and, he, and he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? No. That's, that's a question. What would you say? No. Okay. So that ain't what it's for. Uh, is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now, if you start studying what the Word has to say, especially you get into like Psalms uh, 119 and just start going all the things the Word, the Word brings light, the Word lights up your path. Come on, the Word, come on. Everything is the Word. When the Word is doing what it should be doing, it starts illuminating everything. See? And so he says it ain't, ain't to be hidden. It's meant to be put out there where it can be seen. Come on, right? All right? For there is nothing hidden or concealed or private, which will not be revealed, okay, brought into, into a, uh, to be seen or to be made manifest, that means, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about this. God ain't holding nothing back from you. I mean, sometimes, you know, we look at that, and you bet there's things in your own life that, you know, God starts showing you things. That's, and we're not taking away from that. But in context, he's dealing with the word that if you take this word and you put it and you use it and you do like you should, nothing will be hidden from you. Nothing will be held back from you. But it's still going to come down to how much do you value it? Are you, is, it, is, it a, is it valuable enough to you that you'll stick with it, that you'll stay with it, that you'll keep meditating on it, that you'll keep hearing it? And keep hearing it and keep hearing it. Is it valuable enough to you to do that? Or is it going to be plucked by the fowl of the air? Is it going to be scorched and withered? Or is it going to be choked out by all the other stuff that begins to kind of distract you? Or is it going to produce? That's your choice. Anybody in here have an ear to hear? Amen. Does anybody in here value the Word of God? Yeah. Let's try one more time. Anybody in this house value the Word of God? Yeah. Well, then give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for at least letting me get that far with it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know there's a lot more, a lot more uh, you can draw from that text, no doubt. But uh, today, just really want to focus in and hone in on the fact that we need to value this word, amen, not let the enemy have it. Come on, somebody. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you so much for the principles that we've learned here today. Thank you that we had an ear to hear and a heart to receive, amen, and a, and a will that's yielded and submitted enough, praise God, to, to follow through, praise God. We thank you for our harvest. We thank you for the 30, 60, 100-fold, praise God. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, that we are who this book says we are. Praise God. We can have what the books say we can have. We can do what the books say we can do. Amen. And if we will meditate and set our mind on the things you say to set our minds on, 
We're going to think beyond a normal average individual, which means we're going to have more than the average individual and do more than the average individual and be more than the average individual because we're children of God who feed on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Walking, amen, by the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. And for that, we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.